G'day. You have to forgive me, my voice is a bit croaky. Someone's been telling me to be quiet for a while and they finally caught up with me. So I need your prayers today. <laughs> I'll try and speak softly and slowly. Yeah, right. Welcome. Look to the person next to you and say hello. Ask him for the pin number. And what's for dinner? All right, enough. Relax. How beautiful was that worship? Mary, well done, Ella. Because we've got to give Mary some credit. We just get Ella, Ella, Ella. Mary's. We should be in a counseling session after this. Isn't it beautiful that we can multiply ourselves? Jesus was crucified so he could be multiplied. Jesus said that if a kernel of wheat, I'm jumping, sorry, but it's a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, and if it doesn't die, it will not produce fruit. When you put seed in the ground, the message tonight is about the image in the seed. See, there's a seed on, every, on the inside of every person here that's given his life to Jesus. Amen? Everything is seed and harvest. Throughout creation, nothing, but the Bible says in Genesis that everything takes after its own kind or reproduces after its own kind. I can never take a, a seed which is a lemon tree and put it down and get oranges. I can't put cucumber seeds in the ground and get apples. I get whatever I sow. Amen? It's the seed, inside of a seed, when you, when you plant a seed in the ground, and I'm no farmer, trust me. <laughs> I think I know how to grow weeds better than I know how to grow vegetables. But if you put a seed in the ground, it dies. It cracks open and then it starts to bear, starts to grow, and then eventually it will bear fruit. So the seed has to die. But inside that seed, it's pro there's a program in that seed. There's a pattern or there's an image in that seed. So if I was to bring you a, a seed of a, a big gum tree. Now, a gum tree can, I saw some in Fraser Island that were two metres wide, trunk, and, a, and a close to 100 metres high in Fraser Island in the, in the there. Many, and it was massive. But that started with a little seed. But in the image of that seed, there was this massive gum tree. And the seed of God in us has the potential and is greater than we can ever think. But the, unfortunately, that when we receive Christ as our Lord and Saviour, a lot of us stop there and never watered the seed. See, God's placed on the inside of us the whole kingdom. He changed our nature. He knows that we can't keep the commandments. He knows that our nature is of rebellion. He knew all this he says, I'm going to send my son to change your nature. You can't please God without faith. Amen. It's impossible to please God without faith. But faith comes by in hearing by the, what is the word of God? Jesus, Jesus is, he's a seed. Remember the farmer sowed seed and, they, the, and he said, some fell on hard ground, some fell on soft ground, some fell on stony ground, but some fell on good soil which produced a harvest of 30, 60, and 100-fold. And, the, and the, the disciples said, Lord, speak to us in normal language. What's all these parables? And He says, well, the, the farmer is God and the seed is the word. Now, many people teach that hard ground, soft ground, stony ground is, is different people, and it is. It's also you and me. Because when I heard the gospel the first time, I didn't want to borrow it. Then I heard the gospel again later in life. I thought, hmm, that's good. But then the flesh took over. 
till finally the word sat on good soil. Rebbe has been teaching about the heart, the conscience of the heart, the purity of the heart, having a pure heart. How does the seed grow? In a natural sense, it needs good soil, it needs fertiliser, it needs water, it needs rain, it needs sunlight. True? No different in the body of Christ. Inside you is the Word of God. But how do you water something you don't know what it is? How do you water the, how are you supposed to water the seed inside you when you don't even open up your Bible? How do you know what God says about you? Because we all know, seem to know what the devil says about us and we seem to accept that. But God's saying that you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. I didn't hear an amen. See, until we start putting the flesh aside and our emotions aside and start putting away what we think we know and the patterns of this world, we will never achieve what God wants us to achieve in this world. How does a little poor kid in Brazil get saved? And you see, in Australia, we could probably argue that, yeah, I was a bad person and I came to Jesus. But yeah, if you have a look around, you see everyone's pretty much blessed in this country. Let's be honest. Me and Rab saw the poverty in Brazil. I'm sure we got poverty in Australia, but we never saw poverty like that in Australia. And yet we can see someone who gets saved in Brazil and their whole life dramatically changed because the circumstances around him didn't change. There's still no government giving them handouts. There's still, it's all corruption. There's no work. And, that. and yet they can prosper because they gave value to the seed they saw, the value to the gospel they heard. See, it's sad that you can become a Christian and, and know Christ is your Lord and Saviour and never change. To me, that's the saddest thing in 19 years. I've seen people get touched by God in a mighty way, healed in a mighty way, get baptised in the Holy Spirit. I've seen them do miracles and do all these things and then 10 years later, their life is never, it's still the same, has not changed. It's a very sad place to be. Why? They didn't give value to what was inside them. Pastor Celia told us a story about a lady that he prayed for in his early days that got, she was dead four hours. He went fishing with her husband. It was early in his walk. And he told us a story that when they came back, the village said oh, to the other fisherman that was with him that she had died. And then when he ran to his house, she was dead for four hours. The kids had put her on the, on the stiff, dead. So he was there watching. He was in shock. People crying over the body. And the Lord spoke to Pastor Celia and said, why don't you lay your hands on her and I'll call her spirit back. He did and she came back to life. We were in Brazil and we happened to mention, what was that lady? Remember that story you told us? And he looked at us, didn't he? Perhaps she lived in the street we were actually in. We actually walked over and see, knocked on the door and she's still living in the same house. We, we Meruan filmed it. We sat with her. We spoke to her and she told us the story. She was dead four hours. Now, we left, but to tell you the whole story, she was in the same house, living in the same poverty, and it's actually worse because now she's got grandkids. They're all living on top of each other. So we walked back to the van in shock, like, wow, we just, first time I met someone that got raised from the dead. We were all thinking it, but no one said it. Well, how could you have a miracle like that and still stay in, stay in that same state of mind, that state? And no one asked Pastor Celia, and he comes out and says, isn't it sad that someone can receive something so valuable like that miracle but not give value to it? She received the miracle of all miracles, raised from the dead, and yet she's still in the same spot she was 30 years later, still in the same poverty because she didn't give value to what God had given her. She didn't water the seed inside her. 
1 Peter 1, 22. I'm going to get DK to, call, to read it if that's all right. You there? Can you read that, big fella? I give you one job. One job. <laughs> I'm joking. Three, two, one, sacked. Is it working? Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another vehemently with a pure heart. You can take over. All right. First Peter 1 Peter 1.22. <laughs> Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Next. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So the word of God, we have been born again or born from above or born of God or born anew. I didn't care which way you want to say it. But in order for you to understand the kingdom of God and to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. This is not Tony's words. This is the Bible, John 3.16. But what does that mean? We've just thrown that word out like it's another denomination. Unless a man is born of the Spirit of God through the Word of God. It's like a seed, but not corruptible, but incorruptible by the Word of God. So you can see now the, the pattern that the seed inside you is the Word of God and it has to be watered. It has to because there's an image on the inside of you. So I talk to people for years and they say to me, but I'm doing all the right things. I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm giving and that. I say, okay, that's awesome. But what do you believe? Yeah, but I'm doing all the right things. I'm summing, I'm helping the poor. I read my Bible. I go to 500 Bible studies a week. I go, yeah, but what do you believe? That's all right. You can do all the religious activities you want, but what do you believe? My hope is not in my giving. I'm going to tell you this now. My hope is not in how many times I read my Bible or quote Scripture. My hope is not how many times I preach. My hope is in the finished work of the cross. My hope is in what Jesus did on the cross. He purchased it for me 2,000 years ago. And because of that knowledge that I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm set free, I do all these other things. Why? Because I love him and I want to serve him. I don't ever want to be the same. How dare we now live the same life knowing that Christ paid the ultimate price? Look at this, Romans 15, 13. Get up there. Now may the God of hope, everyone say hope, fill you with your joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope, who's the God of hope? Our Father in heaven. He's the God of hope who will fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we have the hope that is in Christ. Have you met someone who's got no more hope? Hope deferred makes a heart go sick. Have you seen someone that's lost all hope? He's a, he's a wretched person. See, he doesn't need faith there. He needs hope to believe. See, I don't have faith in faith. There was a movement, the faith movement, great teachers of the word, but they got to a point where they had faith in their faith. It's about Quote the scripture 10 times, believe it and you'll receive it. Well, I believe in quoting the scripture and confessing the word, but now it became about how many times I quoted the scripture or what I did with, no, no, no. I don't have faith in my faith. I have faith in the finished work of the cross. 
My hope is in the name of the Lord. But a hope is not like, I hope it win the lottery tomorrow. I hope it doesn't rain. No, no, that's a wishful hope. That's the worldly hope. The hope is the confidence. You know, write this down. Hope in the Bible means the confidence and the assurance that God will do what he says he can do and complete it. That's my hope. People say, I want to be healed. But Jesus bought your healing 2,000 years ago. So why are you asking for something he's already given you? Now I need to believe. When I believe, hope arises in me. I have joy and peace. I believe. And then the Holy Spirit empowers it. The power of God. See, the Holy Spirit is not just limited to miracles, speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is empowering the word in you, but he can't empower what's not in you. God wants the word in you to be revived. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see your mistakes, your failures, your background, where you've come from, what you did wrong? Or do you see the grace of God and the forgiveness of God in your life and that you are strong? See, we are called to multiply ourselves. Why would you want to multiply death when we are the children of light? This is not my quote, so I'm not going to take credit for it. Faith possesses what hope sees. Faith will get you what your hope can see. See, Abraham was told he's going to be the father of many. He told his wife, now, now they're 100 years old and they still haven't had a kid and, 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 and they're in the tent and God's saying, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many. His, his wife laughed and he laughed. She says, am I going to have pleasure with my husband again? <laughs> 100 years old. And God says, I'm going to take you out of the tent. In other words, I'm going to take you out of that negativity and what you're seeing. See, what he was seeing, he had no more hope. He's 100. There's a bassinet there, but there's no baby in there. Yeah, he had a promise from God. God had to take him out of that environment and then speak to him. Look at the stars. Can you count them? That's your descendants. He had to show him hope. He was painting hope on the inside of him. So when it came to pass, you know, sometimes we get a promise from God and we blame God that it didn't come to pass. Yet we did nothing to water it, nothing to believe for it. We did nothing other than quote a couple of scriptures, play a couple of songs in the car and said, but where's God in my life? Imagine doing that in a seed in the backyard. I hope it rains tomorrow. If it doesn't, that seed in the ground is going to die or the plants are going to die. Sometimes you have to go and water them. Amen? Is this making sense? The inside of a seed, there's an image. In that image, I can't. We could open up a seed now. I, go, I can't see the apple tree in there. It's programmed. It's in there. It's in the image. We have, when the Bible says in, in Genesis, it says, we have been made in God's image and likeness. Adam sinned. He kept the image and lost the likeness. But then when Jesus came, he bought back what he lost. And not only did he give him back his likeness, he put God's spirit in him and then he empowered him by the Holy Spirit with the blood of Jesus. See, Adam lost the garden, but we gained the whole world. Adam lost the garden, but the world is ours because Christ Jesus is our Lord. Amen? God's trying to build something on the inside of us. The Bible speaks about seed time and harvest time, sowing and reaping. And we always limit that to giving money. And I want to clarify something. I hear this creep in a lot in the Christian world, especially these days. Karma, karma. We don't believe in karma. If you believe in karma now, you're going to hell. You know why you're going to hell? Because if what goes around comes around, 
We've all sinned. We're all going to hell. But thank God for the grace of God who cuts that what we deserve. The Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says we all have sinned. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And that is eternal punishment. But when Jesus came, he cut that curse off. So we don't have to get karma. We believe in sowing and reaping as a Christian, but we don't believe in karma because if you do, you're going to hell because there's nothing going to stop that coming around. Let's get that out of your head. That's not, that's not biblical. We believe in the grace of God. We believe that I can sow bad seeds and I can get a harvest. Yes, I can sow evil and say I'm a Christian, so evil, I'm going to get a harvest one day. If I put a cucumber seed in the ground and I put a, a lemon tree seed in the ground, they're both going to grow. The cucumbers will mature quicker, but the lemon tree will mature a lot, lot longer. It's going to come to roost one day. You're going to eat from that harvest one day. And if I'm sowing evil, discord, malice, offence, bitterness, anger, strife, blame, woe me, no one loves me, everyone hates me, I think I'm going to eat some worms. I should break a poem out of that. Hey. They're all going to eat from that fruit one day. Just like a cucumber tree, you only grow a little bit and it'll die. A lemon tree grows for a long time and the roots get deeper. And those roots will get into all your area of your life. So how do we water this? How do we do this? If the Word of God is the seed inside us. You know, seed time and harvest time is very important. Jesus himself came onto this earth through a seed. Contrary to some aunties of mine, <laughs> you think Jesus just appeared like, no, 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 no. Let's do some biology here. Actually, no, I'll get it wrong too, the boy. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, okay? Luke chapter 1, verse 30. I want to show you something. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the, of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So an angel, we all know that story. Angel said, you will conceive, and you will have a son, and it's going to be done by the Holy Spirit. He's going to overshadow you. He's going to, he's going to baptise you. He's going to take her by force, and he's going to put a seed in there. Because we know that Jesus was born of a virgin, but the, he's, the way he was born was no different than you and I. He had to go through the whole process. If Jesus wasn't born naturally, he wouldn't be the Messiah. He couldn't be the son of Adam or the son of God. So a seed was sown. Just like, just like anything on this earth today, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a seed was sown. And Mary received it. And the Bible says she's found favour, grace with God. And he says, he didn't even give up. Like people think she had a decision. I don't think she had any decision. He goes, you will have a son. You will call him Jesus and he'll be a king. What do I do now? She goes, I don't know no man. That's okay. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Can you see the reference here? The seed will come in. The word was spoken from heaven. Then the Holy Ghost came upon you. It will bring it to pass. You have a seed on the inside of you when you receive the gospel, the word of God. Now you need the Holy Spirit to empower it, to water it, to bring it to pass in your life. Anyone who rejects the Holy Spirit rejects Jesus. I'm telling you now. The church was birthed 
When was the next time we see the Holy Spirit overshadow and birth something into existence? Jesus dies on the cross. Holy Spirit didn't help him. He gave up every right on that cross. He gave up all his, he, he was God in the spirit, the deity of God lived inside him, but he gave up all the, the um, authority. He said, I could call 12,000 legions of angels and get me off this cross. But this is, this is for, I've come for such a time as this. And he laid on the cross, he says, Father, I give you my spirit. In other words, he gave up everything that he could to save himself. So no one could help him. He was alone on that cross. He took my sin and your sin, my shame and your shame. And he paid for it, took my healing, took my sickness, took my disease, put it on that cross. Look what happens here. He dies and he rises again, but there's still no church. It wasn't until he rose and said to his disciples, wait, the promise from the Father will come. On the day of Pentecost, what is the church, people? Are we the church? Are we also the body of Christ? What are we also known as? The bride. Is Jesus coming back for the bride? Are we the bride? So it talks about the connotation is a female, yeah? True? Oh, I'm no woman, but I'll tell you what, I'll be the bride of Christ. <laughs> it's not talking about an agenda. It's talking about Jesus coming back for, the, for his bride, the church, yeah? And the church says that on the day of Pentecost, they're all together in one accord, the church, the body of believers. Jesus saw 500 people after he rose from the dead. And there was only 120 people in the upper room. And then the Holy Spirit fell on him and enveloped him and overshadowed him like Mary. And guess what he did? He impregnated the Holy Spirit into his church. And now his bride birthed the power of God. We have the power of God, the presence of God to be witnesses on this earth. That's when the church was birthed. That's the power of God we have in us. You know, the image on the inside of us, we don't know yet. But if we water it, God shows us. See, our life isn't ours, it's His. God, would, would God give you something lacking? Would He give you lack? But we might face lack. Does He give you hardship? But we're going to face hardship. He gives us the power to overcome. Because you know where we are today is great. But where do you want to be in 10 years' time? What about your children? What about the person next to you? Maybe you can't see what God's put inside you, but maybe the next person can. I'm, a, I'm an exalter. I'm an edifier. I can see the best out of someone. But there's sometimes you're going to put away the flesh and put away that's not of God so you can achieve what God's put in your side. Stop chasing the next best message. Stop chasing the next best preacher and the next best worship song. If you don't spend time with the Holy Spirit, the power of God, you're just going to get around the mountain. You know, it's not part of my notes, but Ephesians chapter 5, 26, it says, it says, Wash, uh, wives love your husband as Christ loved the church. And uh, men love your wives as, sorry, husbands love, see, I can get the other bit mixed up, don't I? <laughs> Just gave it, wives love your husband, that'll do. That's it. Let's just say quick, well done. And he, well, look what he does. It says before that, love your wife, wife, love your husband that you, he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the Word. So I'm trying to build a picture here. If the Word of God is the seed, here it says the Word of God is washing. It's, it's like water. That's how I water my seed. What are you saying to one another? What do you see one another? What are you saying to your kids? What are you saying to your kids? See, any person in authority that speaks down 
or brings curse. The only way you can curse someone is if you've got a place of authority and they look at you in a place, it could be a school teacher, could be a boss, could be a husband, and you don't speak truth, you can bring a curse on that child. You'll bring a curse on that person. What do I mean curse? I don't mean a spiritual witch on a brain. No, no, I'm talking about the seed that you plant in someone can start to grow. I've counseled people 70, 80 years old and they still hold on to something that they heard when they were five. And their whole life is destroyed because of that one seed because it came from someone with authority. Because the enemy loves to bind you in the wrong places. So you don't have to stay in a place of distressing. And, and, oh, but generation after, you know, my dad was like that. My grandfather was like that. My dad, I said, I don't care. My whole family's had a lineage of bipolar and I will not receive that word from anyone. And I know me better than you know me. And if, I'm a very high energy person and I can let myself fall deep into a bit, but I've accepted the fact that, that I don't inherit from my father. I inherit from my heavenly father. Hallelujah. God didn't leave us as orphans. You know, I never understood the fact that God will send us the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I will never leave you as an orphan. But my understanding of an orphan is a fatherless. You can have no mother, but you're not considered an orphan. That you don't have a father. True? But I think the Holy Spirit is not Father God. Father God, Jesus, Jehovah Jireh, is my father. Jesus is my saviour, my older brother. And the Holy Spirit is the, the truth of God, the power of God, and the presence of God. True? He says, but I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and I will never leave you as an orphan. I said, Lord, please explain that to me. And one day he spoke to me. He says, because the Holy Spirit was sent to show me to you. I'm, he's going to magnify me in you. He's going to bring the word of God, Jesus and the Father. And whatever they talk about, he's going to bring it to you. While you spend time with the Holy Spirit, the word of God that's in you, he'll bring it to pass. Why? Because the Father loves you and he'll give all the keys to the kingdom to you. That's why many years ago the Lord spoke to me because you win the fathers, you win the family. You win the family, you win the nation. Thank you, Tony Weeby. Washing of the word. But like any seed, guess what happens? We plant a seed, weeds grow, thorns grow, birds come. How do we protect the seed? Just like any seed I wrote down here, it needs good soil, it needs water, it needs light, sunlight, it needs... Weeds removed, it needs nourishment. It needs to keep worms and snails and that away. And I say, well, how do I water the seed, Lord? And people say to us, that our core belief in this ministry is prayer and fasting. That's our core. Our, core, our foundation is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But our core is praying and fasting. Why? To get more grace? No. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything. But to understand his grace, to walk in his grace, to walk in his presence, to get rid of the flesh, to put the deeds of the flesh to death so we can live in the spirit. Too many Christians are spiritual. That would kill us. There's no good of being spiritual and be no earthly good. I want to be spiritual and be earthly good so I can sit with the guy at work not like I did the other day. That's why I lost my voice yelling at him. But I'll sit with him and tell him about Jesus. I'm too holy. I can't sit next to you. <laughs> Guy's got a, a, a cross upside down. What? Come here. Cast that devil out. What are you scared of? Greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. But we give way over to what's in the world because we sow to the flesh. We sow to the things of this spirit. Not of the spirit of God. We sow to the enemy. 
to water the word. Look at this. He attributes the word as a seed and the word as water. True? We just read that. Can we read John chapter 7, DK? And 38, I think it is. 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Look at this. You receive the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing that happens? Rivers of living water will flow from the belly. He's just attributed the Holy Spirit as water. Where's the seed of God in you? In the bill of your belly. Everything happens in the belly. Me and Rabs were talking about this when we were driving down to see Jared. In the belly. What happens when you get fear? Hits you where? In the belly. What happens if you get anxiety? Hits you in the belly. What happens if you get food poisoning? Knocks you out. You can chop your arm off and still go to work. But you get food poisoning, you're out. You're out. Everything comes from the belly and God knows this because the core of every human is where God resides. The core. And he says, in the rivers of living water will flow from your belly. The Holy Spirit is like living water, watering the seed. So when we speak in tongues or when we worship, what are we doing? We're allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to get that seed inside you to come to fruition. Why? He's trying to edify you on the inner man. He's trying to bring that image. So one day you go, bang, I see that. You know, I can honestly tell you, I've seen things... 10 years ago, that's come to pass today. I've seen certain things. I'm not talking about visions and dreams. I've seen the image on the inside of me while God see. See, many years ago, I used to have a roofing business. I mean, my wife reminded me today. And my roofing business was, I was not saved. So, and, and we used to do uh, cleaning roofs and painting roofs and repairing roofs. And we used to have blokes cleaning and painting and guys just doing the repairs, the rich caps and changing tiles. And we had this guy named uh, John Reese, uh, not John Reese, Matt Reese and, his, and Peter Whittington. Uh, all, they were our father and son-in-law couple. And everyone wanted this guy to do the roof because he was the one that showed up on time. He was an older man and his son-in-law was young. And we wanted them to be on the job. Everyone was fighting for that roof tiler. And in conversation, it worked out that he used to be an alcoholic and he got, became a Christian and he was a Pentecostal. Now, back then, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know nothing. But he was a top bloke. And one day he said to me, Tony, um, my son-in-law is in ministry college. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? I'm thinking the weirdos. He, said, he says he wants to learn how to paint roofs. Would you take him out with you? I said, no worries. So I, I took him out with me and what a day. So on the roof painting and I'm, so what are you, what are you involved in? What ministry? He goes, oh, it's just a Christian ministry. I'm studying to be a pastor. What, is it penne or spaghetti? Like, I had no idea what a pasta meant. Then I've I got to say, everything after that was R-rated. And I would say something, I would swear, say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And he'd just smile. It just happened all day. I picked on him in a nice way. Then my machine broke down. My paint machine broke down. So we packed up and we're going home. I started talking to this guy on the way home. I remember this, we were in Campbelltown coming home. And I'm asking him, I'm intrigued and then mocking him at the same time. Unknown to me, unknown to me, about 12 months later, the business closed down. I got out of that industry. And I lost contact with him. I get saved three or four years later. I'm in a church and this church had a little mini conference, the denomination that I, was, I joined. And all these other denominations from around the area showed up. And I'm standing in church and guess who walks in? This Matt Reese guy. 
He goes, what are you, are you lost? What are you doing here? I said, hey, what are you doing here? Like, like I'm going, what are you doing here? He's going, what are you doing here? Because the stuff I was telling him, hey, please, thank God for the blood. Thanks, Mary. And he goes, I said to him, sorry, I said to him, oh, I've been coming here for two years and blah, 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 blah. Oh, man. He gets his, I've got to ring Peter Whittington. That's his father-in-law. Peter Whittington was going through a hard time at that time. He puts me on the phone. Hey, Pete, how you going? Who's that? He says, I know that voice anyway. So that's me, Tony. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm at church. He goes, what church? I told him, he goes, he starts crying on the phone. He says, Tony, you have restored my faith. I go, you're right, Pete. He goes, he goes, no, I've been, doing, I've been down in the dumps. I thought God stopped hearing my prayers. And now it's just the joy of the Lord's upon me now. And he says, Tony, you know what we used to do? And, and I found this out later. They'd look at me and say, there's potential in that guy. He's rough as guts. <laughs> He's got the worst mouth. He goes, but they used to go and lay hands on my job sites. They go lay hands and pray. And they called me into the kingdom. They watered the seed that they could see that I could not see. But they said, this guy, if he gets saved, he won't shut up. So if he gets saved, he might. <laughs> and then he tells me about that day I was swearing. He goes, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. He goes, oh, you done my head in. I said, oh, look, I apologize. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know this till five, six years later that someone saw something in me that I couldn't see. And they watered the seed. And today I stand here. And one day I was sharing communion. And he came. He left his church to come to our church. He's sitting there. He's an older fella. And he's crying tears of joy that someone came to the Lord that he prayed for. And I didn't know that. That someone would pray for me. That someone would take the time out. That he would see something that I couldn't see in myself. Because we're not all where we want to be. We've all messed up but something on the inside of you. And there's something that's, if you water it, listen to me, listen to me, no matter what you've been through, if you water it, I want you to chop away the flesh and chop away religion and get to know who Jesus really is. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I'll close on this. If the Holy Spirit is the rivers of living water, and God baptizes us into the Holy Spirit, it has got to be for a reason. And it says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he might. Kick it, next one. For I pray in tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding isn't fruitful. Because sometimes we can abort what's inside of us if we know what we got. We can abort what God's purpose and plan in our life. For he who speaks in tongue doesn't know what he's saying. But what he does, he prays mysteries to God. He doesn't pray to man, he prays to God. What is he doing? He's edifying that seed that's inside and bringing that image to your forefront so you can see. See, if you can't see it, you'll never believe for it. What are you believing for? It's the saddest place when people ring me and say, I'm having an issue and the same issue. One year, two year, three year, four year, five year. Either Jesus is a liar or you're not believing in the truth. I'm not talking about circumstances where things arise. There's a devil out there that's trying to kill you. Don't kid yourself. But can I say something to you? That the seed on the inside of you can be watered by meditating on the word, worshipping God, confessing what's truth and allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside you. Don't get limited by your experiences. So you only go as far as your teacher. It depends on what you're hearing. The doctrine you're hearing, 
faith comes by. So if I'm not hearing faith, I'm not hearing that you can be healed. I'm not hearing that you can be delivered. I'm not hearing you can have a prosperous life. Or are you hearing, no, no, that's the will for God for your life. I'll just put up with it. Lie. Because if that's the will for God for your life, then go and apologise to Jesus who hung on a cross. But the seed on the inside of you has a potential to change your world and the world around you. Amen? But it's a decision. It's a decision. Faith will only possess what hope sees. And how do you get hope if you don't read his word? You don't meditate on his word. You know, a lot of people say, God told me, God told me, God told me. And after another week, God told me, God told me. And I said, God's schizophrenic then. He changed his mind from last week to this week. <laughs> God's not schizophrenic. We're schizophrenic. I want to close it. Can you please stand? And I'll, and I'll, I'll shush. See, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for maturity. And in my maturity, I'm made perfect. The Bible says, who has fear is not perfected in the love of God. In other words, it's not that God doesn't love you, it's that you don't understand the love of God for your life. You know, it astounds me how many people want to argue about certain things in Scripture, in life, based on their experience. But I've made, a, I've made a decision a long time ago that I would never limit God based on my understanding. I want to get around people with faith. I want people that challenge me. I want people to say, see, I don't look at it. See, Rabs and I, we talk and, 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 and a lot of the stuff we preach, we, don't, we never talk about what we're preaching. Is that true, Rabs? And a lot of the times I think, I better change my scripture because I think it's like I'm copying reps. <laughs> but obviously God wants to build. See, we want to build a structure for this ministry, for this church. A lot of people put a structure on the outward side, but inwardly there is no structure. And we're trying to build a structure on the inside and automatically you just fall into line. We don't do offering messages, but you're the most generous people I've ever met. If there's a need, we come to the party. What I need to entice you with the message. Giving is biblical. We should teach on it to understand the benefits. But then it becomes about what you can get out of God then. But you're a generous people. You have a heart for God. But the gospel isn't just cooped up for you. That seed that God put on the inside of you wants to bring it to pass. That seed on the inside of you has an image and it's greater than you think. See, Mary carried Jesus, but she couldn't imagine what he was about to do. She was carrying something on the inside of her that she did not understand. The Bible says that she pondered a lot of things but kept them to herself. She didn't understand a lot of things, but she kept them to herself because she knew there was something greater on the inside of her. She couldn't understand it, couldn't fathom it, couldn't believe it. But what she knew that I'll be obedient and I'll just carry it, I'll nurture it, I'll raise it. That's what's inside of us. And it's up to us now. What you're not receiving from God isn't because God's holding back. It's because you're not willing to pay a price for it. You're not willing to believe for it. Because oh, what, I thank God that God didn't give me everything I prayed for in my early days. Because today I stand here, I mean, thank God I didn't get all that stuff because that would have destroyed me. 
We think we know what we want, but God knows our needs. And then God will bless us upon that. Amen? Don't sow seeds that do not bring a harvest in the Spirit. Most people that I know want to put one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God and you expect God to bless both of them. He won't. To have the mind of Christ is to think like Jesus. You know, when in the Passover and the angel of death was coming, I want to show you what seed does, spiritual seed. Someone asked me a question, and I've been asked this question many times. When Moses said to Pharaoh, he sent him plague after plague after plague, and every plague, if you read it, is their gods that they worshipped. So everything they worshipped, frogs and the Nile and all these different, God sent it to them. And the last plague was, listen, let my people go. If you don't, an angel of death is going to come over and he's going to take all your firstborn. And you think God's cruel. True? How could God take the firstborn? Because your minds went to little babies that are born. But it could have been a man who's 67 years old that he was the firstborn. And beasts of the field, like cattle. But if you read the scripture, we live in seed time and harvest time. Sowing and reaping. And Moses says, he says to Moses, but you have sowed evil too. So make sure you kill a lamb. Take the blood of a lamb. Put it on the doorpost. Cook the lamb and eat all of it. Look at this. Eat the whole lamb. I just want to eat the chops. They had to eat it all. They had to eat the leg, the eyes, the brains, the tongue, the intestine. had to eat it all. Because he wants you to think like Jesus. When you eat the lamb's brain, you start to think like Jesus. The lamb was representative of Jesus. You can't have a little bit of Jesus. You have to have the whole Jesus. So you can walk, walk like him, talk like him, think like him. Are you getting it? And the blood was over the doorpost. And the angel of death came over. And when the angel of death saw the blood on the doorpost, he passed over. Because blood of a lamb covers all sin in that household. Can you see the cross, somebody? Doesn't matter if there were sinners in that room, even if an Egyptian snuck in, he'd be saved because of the blood, he passed over the blood. That's where you get the Passover feast from. And then he goes, because their firstborn would have died because they had sowed. Why did God do that? Why is God so angry? Why is God so cruel? He wasn't. The Bible says angels harvest. In the last days, the angels will come and collect the harvest in the last days. This world's going to hell. I don't know if you have noticed. Jesus is on his way back. He's coming to collect his people. Angels collect them. When Moses died on the mountain, guess who fought over his body? Satan and Archangel Gabriel, Michael. Michael. They're fighting over the body. Why? Angels harvest. They come and collect the harvest. So he comes the angel of death. Why was he allowed to come? All he was allowed to do was take the firstborn because that's what they sowed. Remember how Moses even got into the palace? Moses' mum had to put him in a basket because... Pharaoh's father was killing all the Jewish firstborn. The devil's been trying to kill all the firstborn. Why? Because he didn't know when Jesus was going to come. He didn't have an idea when the firstborn from, from Israel was going to come. So he got all the firstborn killed. Herod did it when Jesus was born. Do you remember? So he, Pharaoh's father sowed the seed of killing the firstborn. And now it came to harvest and God says, okay, let my people go. If you let them go, he would have let him go. Repent. But he didn't repent. Guess what happened? He's okay, you sowed the seed of death. Now he's coming to 
take a harvest. And that's why the angel of death was allowed to take their firstborn. But the Jews or the Hebrews at the time had sowed evil because they were part of Egypt for 400 years. And the only way to be saved is from the blood. Were they good people? No, nah, the minute they got out of Egypt, they started complaining. But they're his people. And because the blood of the lamb covers a multitude of sin. Who is Jesus' people? The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was symbolic that one day Jesus would come as a lamb and die and cover your household if you're saved. By the repentance because of the blood. I said a lot tonight, but I just want to share you one thing. God doesn't place seed in someone for no reason. He expects a harvest. He expects fruit. You know a tree by its fruit. You know a tree when it produces fruit. It bears fruit, I should say. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree gives you bad fruit. So Father, tonight, thank you for the blood. Lord, you have placed in each and all of us greatness. You have placed the kingdom of God within us. You have not withheld, but you gave us your only son. Then you gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I thank you for this time and place that you would unlock that seed. The Holy Spirit, you would teach us how to water that seed. Father, how we can be edified. Father, to get to know you more. Thank you, that blood that saves. If you're not assured of your salvation tonight and you don't understand where you're going if you were to die, because this is a heaven and hell issue, Jesus' blood saves you. The only way to the Father is through the Son. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. I am the door. He stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking. So, Father, I thank you tonight if anyone who doesn't know you as Lord and Saviour, give your heart to him tonight. Unless seed dies, cannot produce much fruit. So, Father, I thank you tonight for your word is true. I seal this word by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. That we would stop entertaining the things of the world, the things of the flesh, and step into your presence. And let that see the imagery of your faithfulness, your imagery of your kingdom growing within us. I don't want to be the same again. I decide today to follow Jesus. Come what may, I decide to follow Jesus. Jesus is the one that breaks curses. Jesus is the one that gives you life. And that life is in overflow, in abundance. You don't have to keep going around the merry-go-round of life. But today is the day of your salvation. So if you would want to give your life to Jesus tonight, you're not joining a church, you're not joining a membership, you are giving your life over to the life giver. We thank you, Father, for your spirit in this place.
And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Father. Amen.